Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live, now available in audio-only format. Before we get to the show, just want to remind you that you can catch the Falcoholic Live live on YouTube at 8.10 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights. And if you're interested, we also have a post-game show that goes live right after the games on Sunday or whatever date happens to be played. So we hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope to see you on YouTube if you're available. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Live's Week 6 post-game show, Falcons vs. Vikings. The Falcons got that first win of the season. It was fun from, from start to finish. It was a thorough domination of... Uh, what probably should have been an inferior opponent going into the season, but, uh, you know, going into week six, the Falcons were 0-5, so it would be hard to say that there were any inferior opponents for this team, but uh, they made the Vikings look pretty silly. Uh, They just totally flabbergasted Kirk Cousins early. Uh, Cousins threw three picks in the first half. Vikings offense seemed to kind of get it together after halftime and kind of remember that, you know, you can pass on this on this defense. You really can. Uh, and Justin Jefferson had a tremendous second half for the Vikings, but it wasn't enough. They were down too much. The Falcons defense hung on. Um, and honestly, you know, they, they, they played well from start to finish. I mean, obviously, this isn't a, a perfect scenario for the defense, you know, giving up that long touchdown at the end of the game. You'd, you'd hope that you know, we could avoid things like that. But uh, look, that's based on what we've had seen going into this week. Uh, it, it was an improvement. And now joining us, Adnan Ikic. Adnan, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Um, I'm very conflicted about that game. <laughs> well, it was fun. So, like, that was, a, that was a nice, you know, change for me personally to have a fun Falcons game. I didn't feel like I had to try to distract myself with something else, uh, you know, 15 minutes in. So that was a nice change. Uh, I can also see we're at like 300 viewers fewer after a win than <laughs> after a loss. Yeah, you know, the rage has expired. Uh, you know, the folks that look the people, you know, I, we understand. Uh, but it's it's nice to get a win to avoid going 0-16, you know, uh, 
we weren't anywhere close to that yet, but it's nice to to take that p- potential, you know, nightmare scenario off the table. Yeah, and just like just table the draft talk right now. We're <laughs> we're not even gonna get into that right now. My thing is, if this is what the team looks like now, then that's just further indictment on Arthur Blank for not firing Dan Quinn in the off season when he should have, when we were all calling for it, when nobody wanted him back except for the players. And now they go out here and put on the most complete performance of the season by far. Mm -hmm. And the most complete performance since maybe that Panthers game last year where they put up 40 against him uh, in the second game against the Panthers. So it really is a case of where has this been, but it's also a case of, all right, we need to wait and see right now to see because – you know, every single year it happens in the NFL where a coach gets fired mid-season, and then the very next game the team comes out like gangbusters. <laughs> right, yeah. And they look incredible. So if the team goes back to being the way they were, like more or less the first five weeks, then then we can chalk that up to, oh, all right, they were just like uh, hyped up on that adrenaline, uh, playing for a new coach, a uh, new voice in the locker room. But if this is the norm going forward and the team looks this good, then – there's going to have to be some very fair criticism on Arthur Blank for dragging his feet with the whole Dan <laughs> Quinn situation. Right, because at this point they'd have to be basically perfect. I mean, they could afford maybe one loss, maybe two losses to actually have a chance of making the playoffs yeah. out of the next 10. Which is, Probably two, know. because I'm sure nine and seven gets you into the playoffs. But we're not, yeah. I'm not even discussing playoffs. Playoffs? talking about playoffs maybe if they maybe if they run off four straight wins in their next four then if you get back to 500 yeah then we can have that conversation yeah then it's like our our draft season is temporarily stopped Mm -hmm. it's still draft season though yeah it's always draft season but you know (laughs) we put a temporary moratorium on the draft you know the draft the like most egregious draft takes you know we'll still have some draft takes but um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, we need to keep it in context. Of course, the team is still 1-5. and five. Uh, Take still... Najee Harris with the top five pick. There you go. That See, that's that's what I'm talking about, those egregious <laughs> draft takes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think people underrate, you know, the impact of just feeling that kind of release. I mean, we all felt it. Like, obviously, the staff, the Falcoholic felt it. The fans, I'm sure, felt it. Just like a weight being lifted off your shoulders, just knowing that this team wasn't going to go anywhere with Dan Quinn and everything was darkness and, and terrible and just having that that weight taken off your shoulders and having something new that can produce things like this uh but is it sustainable and that's the big question um yeah, because you look at it last year too and sorry to cut you off no you're good, you're good. Re- remember after the bye week they come out and play that amazing game against the saints which was by far the best game of the season and then they come out the next week and play that fabulous game against the panthers and they end up ring, uh, rattling off those wins, getting back to uh, winning seven games. Now it's like it feels like that again, where you know they there's some changes made. There's this great game right now, and I don't think that this team is as bad as the record indicated. Like there's so much talent on this team mm-hmm. for them to be 0 and 5, but. It, it, it's so it's so difficult to picture where this team is going to go from here, and I'm not even going to try to predict, like, oh yeah, they're going to be, uh, uh, they're going to be just this good moving forward, or they're going to go back to like what they were in the first five games. I'm sure there's it's going to be more of like a medium, 
uh, it's not going to be like either of the two like spectrums, but it's just so difficult, just like how difficult it was last season where the second half of the season was all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really know what to expect because this team has been so streaky and you referenced it last year in particular. They were, you know, they were good in the second half and then they were terrible in the first half. And, you know, and unfortunately, it seems like lately their their good streaks have been after they've been eliminated from contention. I guess mathematically they haven't been eliminated. Statistically, they basically have. I think there's like one example in history of a team with a record this poor making the playoffs. But, uh, you know, when you add that that extra playoff uh, spot... Chiefs. Yeah, I think it was, it was very think. recent. The Chiefs with mm-hmm. Alex Smith a few years ago. Yeah. And they rattled off 10 straight wins. And yep. uh, we can rattle off 10 straight more yeah. wins and Raheem Morris Anything's can come possible. back as the head coach. Yeah, if you rattle off 10 straight, <laughs> I mean, I'll have that conversation. But uh, that is extremely unlikely to happen yes. for, for many reasons. One being that the Falcons still play some tough teams going forward. Um you know, All right, let's let's just put set logic aside for a second. How fun would that be, though? That would be really funny. How oh, fun man. would that be to to sweep the Saints and to sweep the Bucks and to just like and to just go into the playoffs on an eleven game win streak? It, it's not going to happen. But no. ju- just imagine it for a second, where it's just like I think it will be the most fun season in recent memory. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be crazy. Uh, and that would be nice. That would be a nice distraction from everything else going on in the world, and the fact that the Falcons have just been downright terrible uh, up until this game. Uh, so, you know, and, and it's really sad because let's say that they didn't blow those two games, and yep. they were two and three coming into this game, and then this would be the game that they they get back to five hundred. And but then, but then <laughs> Dan Quinn wouldn't have been fired. Yeah, so they were I think it was three. worth it to lose those yeah. two at this point. So, so. Uh, I don't think like the team would have looked this good with Dan. I. I think this team would have like laid an egg completely in this oh, yeah. game because, yeah. I mean, you look at it, they played so well, and Kirk Cousins had some fantasy stats, and, you know, if you look at the the box score, 340 yards, three touchdowns, Kirk Cousins didn't have a good game at all. He was he was downright terrible in this game, yeah. uh, up until, like, it was complete garbage time. He had three picks in the first half, um, didn't, didn't score any points until until very late in the game when yeah. it was I think 23 nothing. Yeah, it was. And he was just yeah. yeah, he was throwing it up to Justin Jefferson who was making plays. Justin Jefferson looks really good by the way. Very talented uh rookie wide receiver from LSU. I don't know what the Eagles were thinking passing up on him for uh, Jalen Rager, right. although the jury's still out on both of those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, the defense it was getting pressure. Like Kirk Cousins was completely he he was rattled in that yeah, entire yeah. first half, and I remember they got I, I I didn't see who it was who got that hit on his hand for that uh, Oluwakin interception. I think it was the third one. Twaddy Mariner. Oh, I think hey, so. Yeah. Twaddy Mariner. Shout yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, you got a false start later on on uh, <laughs> on the offensive well, line. You know. yeah. yeah, playing playing the Ben Garland role. I mean, AJ <laughs> Terrell looked really good too. He had that uh, he had that great interception. Congratulations to him on getting his first pick of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just set the tone in this one, like for, right away. First, first play of the game, Deion Jones gets the interception, and I was very hard on him. Uh, I went on uh, Arif Hassan's podcast uh, with mm-hmm. uh, the Minnesota Vikings SB Nation. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I was I was very hard on Deion Jones, who just looked completely uninterested last week. Uh, it didn't feel like he was playing up to 
his usual standards, and it didn't look like he was really giving it his all this season. But in this game, he looked so focused, mm -hmm. and he was fantastic in this game. So I hope that that's the norm moving forward. Maybe, maybe it was something that Raheem Morris said to him uh, before uh, the game started. Remember, Raheem Morris had that uh, had that talk with all of the leaders, right? With mm -hmm. the team, Deion Jones is definitely one of the leaders on defense. So you know. Good for Deion Jones. Good for the team. I, I'm sure this is a this is a very, very. Excuse me. This was a very excited locker room after yeah. the game. Yeah. Like I, I didn't know. Uh, my brain just froze for a second. But this <laughs> is what the locker room needed because I'm sure it was miserable in there after these oh, yeah. first five games. Oh yeah. I mean, it was miserable on Twitter. I can only imagine what it was like for the professionals uh, having to actually go in and, and grind. You know, in that situation. But. Um, it's it's always nice to get a win and avoid 0 and 16 and all that. Um, you know, to me, it's just like, is this something that is sustainable? Is this something that translates going forward, or was this just a flash in the pan reaction to Quinn finally being let go? Like, is this team actually competitive, or you know, is it not? I mean, we've said this before. Like, Dirk Cutter's offense is good at taking advantage of teams that are less talented than his team. So the Vikings were clearly undermanned versus this offense, and, and everything was working for him. When Dirk Cutter plays against defenses that aren't just completely overmatched by his talent, then his offense looks like terror, like like looks like shit. So, you know, we're not going to get to play bottom tier defenses every single week. So I do wonder, you know, what happened. Like the defense was really quite good in the first half, but they still gave up, you know, twenty plus points in the second half. So. Um, this is a unit that's still very suspect, um, but if they can get turnovers and, and do enough combined with the offense also doing enough, then maybe they're fine. But is, is, this, a, is this a formula that can actually work, or is this just something that's going to get the team a few wins here and there, but ultimately they're still going to struggle? I mean, I think... I, I don't think this team is making the playoffs still. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's be let, honest. Let's, we're yeah, one in five, folks. Everybody, so, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're we're one in five, and I mean, here's what the team's gonna do. Like, I, I can see it now. This team is going to get our hopes up the next couple of weeks going into the bye because the next few games you play the Detroit Lions, who who actually looked pretty good this week, but who overall on the season, Matt Patricia could easily be the next head coach who gets fired uh, in the NFL. They, they blow double-digit leads for fun, just like the Falcons do. Then you get the Panthers on a Thursday night game, short week. Anything can happen in that one. Uh, the Panthers have looked really good. They just lost to the Bears, who look absolutely for real this season. They're 5-1. and one. Mm -hmm. So shout-out to Matt Nagy for the job he's doing with Nick Bowles as his quarterback. Um, and then you get the Broncos. So I can easily see this team getting our hopes up and being four and five going into the bye week, only to to start laying an egg after that bye week. I, yeah. the, the only thing I ask, however, is for them to beat the Saints. Yes. Uh, in those two games, mm -hmm. and then uh, other than that, you can just do what what you want. Yeah. Like if we're gonna go down, we're taking the Saints with us. That's that's just a rule for us. Yeah, we did it last year. Yeah. Like yeah. their loss to us put them in the wild card game mm -hmm. instead of having home field advantage throughout the playoffs yep. and. We saw how that worked out. So I, I'm completely fine. I've uh, I've accepted another lost season. You know, it's getting easier and easier to accept these lost seasons. The more uh, the more we get, it's it's the third straight one. Mm -hmm. But I would 
very much like to take the Saints down with us. Yeah, of course. Uh, I am very. I'd be very excited if we if we somehow beat the Saints twice, mm-hmm. and as a result, they lose the division and lose out on a playoff spot. That would be that would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still think ultimately we're looking at like a four and four and twelve, five and eleven squad on the whole. Like them being, you know, five and eleven would be them basically going five hundred the rest of the way, and I think that's about what we're, what we should expect from this team. Um, we shouldn't expect any miracles or any super crazy turnarounds, but they can they should be competitive week in, like week in week out like that. They shouldn't be as bad as they've looked. Um, it's just. It's kind of really a testament to how bad Dan Quinn's coaching was that they were 0 5. Like they, yep. they really shouldn't like this really should be a team that's probably closer to 8 and 8 9 and 7 uh, but that just blew it you know in a lot of the it, biggest stages here. And the better this team does, the worse it looks on Dan Quinn for any future job opportunities for yep. him. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I guarantee you other NFL teams will start taking notice if the Falcons go from not making any like big trades, any major personnel moves, and all of a sudden they look like this <laughs> in comparison to what they looked like the first few weeks. Because, like I said, don't get me wrong, the Vikings scored, what, 23 points in this game? Yep. Uh, I think it was, doing the math, 16 of them were in absolute garbage time. Yeah, yeah. They like, were, yeah. Yeah, the Vikings pretty much scored seven games in this game as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> excuse me, seven points in this game as far as I'm concerned because that was complete garbage time. And, I mean, Julio and Matt Ryan just put on an absolute vintage performance. They're very capable of doing this in any given week. <laughs> you know, uh, these kinds of performances as they get older will be fewer and far and farther between. But, you know, it's just a warning that, this can they can just blow up at any point at yeah. uh, any time because that's just how talented they are that's just who they are Julio Jones two touchdowns in this game uh had what 137 yards on 10 targets 13.7 yards per target's a really good number Calvin Ridley got the other touchdown Hayden Hurst got one and I mean I I, I got I got to give it to Dirk Cutter for as much uh as much flack as we give him, it's only fair to give him credit for the good performances as well, even if it is against a struggling defense. Uh, 40 points put up by the offense. This is his second best uh, called game of the season, other than that, uh, maybe that Cowboys game. And, you know, there's an argument to be made for either one of those. So, yeah. a gold star for Dirk Cutter this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it and that's what I'm saying. Like, Dirk Cutter can can look like like a genius against well against teams uh, against teams that are that he can overmatch uh, and clearly the Falcons overmatched the Vikings on defense this week and they should overmatch a lot of teams but like against the Seahawks the Cowboys and now the Vikings all teams that have you know bottom third of the league defenses this offense has looked very good against. Anything more than that, like average defenses, better than average defense, you know, Chicago, the Panthers, Green Bay, like the, the offense looks, oh, it's out of sync. Like, I don't know what's going on. We just can't move the ball. Like it, it so I'm hesitant to give Cutter too much credit, but we did see a few things that were nice. You know, that there were some more interesting play calls. There were also a lot of basically the same, you know, the same dumb mistakes that, we, that we're used to seeing. Um, but 
Can't, yeah, you, yeah. you probably watched the show the last ones. <laughs> I hope so, right? You know, get in here, you know, Dirk. Yeah, I hope Dirk would be really mad if he watched the show. I'm sure, but um, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, you know, the run game wasn't good, but the passing game was electric finally. Um, and then we saw the rush defense look phenomenal. I mean, the run, the Falcons' run defense has been one of the bright spots basically in every single game, and they were consistently good there. Uh, but then, after like basically shutting out the Vikings in the first half, you allow Cousins to go throw for like 350 yards and three touchdowns in, in like two quarters. Uh, you know that that's still not good. Like even if it is garbage time, and part of, and it is partly that it, it's still a lot of yards and points to give up. So if you're not up by like 20 plus points, do you lose this game? You know what? What do you think, Anna? Uh, I think it well, it had to do with the circumstances. I, re- I do think it's human nature to kind of uh, take the foot off the gas pedal when you're up by so many points uh, in the second half. I just don't like it when that's completely designed by the coaching staff, the way uh, Dan Quinn always did it. And it's, all right, we're up by a couple uh, possessions in the second half. Let's run prevent every single time. And uh, it's our strategy to give up all of these uh, all of these yards and all of these points. Because, I mean, like I said, you still, you still got to give it to Justin Jefferson. It's not like they just gave away, like, everything. Like, the, the Vikings still went out and took it in the second half uh, with a couple of those touchdowns, even though Kendall Sheffield really, you know, he, he didn't look his best <laughs> yeah, at uh, a few of those moments he in the second roasted. half. He got roasted, yeah, he did. Um... But, I mean, uh, still, I, I'm, I don't think that Kirk Cousins puts up those numbers if this game is is a bit closer yeah yeah that's probably true um it just seemed like they the vikings all of a sudden figured out that they could just go deep on the falcons like basically every other team has done and it was working and i don't know why they you know waited that long to try that but uh it did eventually work so you know i guess that's good that they waited long enough so that the game was no longer in in contention uh, and the falcons you know recovered two onside kicks so you know bernie parmalee special teams coach of the year Oh, I mean, <laughs> uh, the the bar wasn't really set very high for uh, for the new special teams coach. It's just go out there and don't make an utter fool of yourself and disgrace yourself on national television <laughs> the way uh, the way you did against the Dallas Cowboys. So yeah, yeah, you, you know, it, it was nice. Huh? I do think there's something psychological to it after giving up that onside kick against the Cowboys. You're glad that you were in a position to recover one. And mm-hmm. it was a, a low-pressure situation because I'm sure that the players were out there and they had it in their minds about, like, onside kicks. So it, it feels really nice when you when you recover one and when you can just move forward and, you know, kind of, kind of start forgetting about that one against the Cowboys because that wasn't your last onside kick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so... We're at the point now where, you know, things are probably out of hand for the Falcons, but it's still nice to, to see them get a win. Uh, in terms of the NFC South, it's actually funny that the Falcons have actually outscored all the other NFC South teams. Uh, but, you know, they were, they were one and five. So <laughs> it's sad, you, but yeah. I'm telling you, when this team is four and five going into the bye, everyone's <laughs> going to be the hype train. completely in. The hype train will be rolling. Leaving the station, Just- yeah. Yeah, j- just for them to end up going seven and nine this season, like you, oh, yeah. you know, that second half is not 
The, this team isn't coming all the way back. This team will come back slightly, only only to break your heart. Yeah, they'll they'll do just enough to screw up the draft pick. They're very good at that. They're extremely good oh, at they that. They are the best at that. Yeah. If you got a higher draft pick for screwing up the draft, we'd have the number one pick. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They should do that, you know, to encourage teams not to tank, right? You know, they should be like, oh, well, you won that game in, in week seventeen, you get the higher, you actually get the better pick. Good for you. No, that won't happen. But um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty uh, clear that this team at least responded positively to the removal of Dan Quinn, which is interesting considering how much like people stuck up for him and stuck their necks out to try to support him, um, which I think was always kind of overblown. I mean, I think basically this team is just full of cla- classy players that are never going to, you know, talk shit about their coach behind his back to the media. You know, that's just, just not a locker room that's going to do that, but... Um, it was pretty clear to me that, you know, there was a sense of relief <laughs> from, the, I mean, they just looked like they had energy for the first time since like week one. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Look, I'm, the players can say whatever they want to the media. If they really didn't want Dan Quinn to be fired, they would have played better. Yep. Because it wasn't just a scheme thing. Like, I was mentioning Deion Jones. He was looking very, especially last week, he looked completely uninterested. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a few of these players, they did not have, they did not play with a lot of, a great deal of effort. Uh, the effort that they should have been playing with those first few weeks. And, you know, it goes hand in hand with the scheme. If you're getting uh, roasted and burned play after play, then, of course, you're going to go out there and it'll just be human nature to be like, all right, like, what, what the hell are we doing? Right. But, you know, still, it, it's not, it wasn't only the scheme. It, it has to do with the effort, and that's on the players. And I'm not ready to just completely give all the players just a pass and be like, all right, this was all on Dan Quinn and Dirk Cutter because – you know, it's on everyone. When you go own five, it can't just be on one person. Right. Exactly. It's a collective team effort. It is. It is, and like that's part of the problem. You know, part of the problems we're gonna have to sift through this off season is you know which players were phoning it in, which ones were were really putting in the effort. And you know, at a certain point when you're like zero and four, you know, you understand that there's gonna be a bit of phoning it in. But uh, like this new regime whoever they are is going to have a lot of power to reshape the roster so you know i think there's good players now realize that they can't just coast through and you know be good to go next year they have to show they have to show how valuable they are to the team on tape uh you know because the the new coach and the new gm don't have any loyalty to these players and even arthur blank has said guys like julio jones and matt ryan you know he he was not exactly effusive in his support for saying these guys are never going to leave Atlanta. So. And, and I, I love Julio and Matt, but that was a relief to hear. Yeah. Because, you know, when Arthur Blank makes that statement, it shows that he is going into this with the mentality of I'm not going to meddle with mm-hmm. uh, what the new regime wants to do. The last thing you want uh, out of your owner is to go out there and to pull a Jerry Jones mm-hmm. and to basically put all of the pressure 
on, all right, like it's going to be my way or the highway. And Arthur Blank has full full authority and autonomy to do that. It's his football team. He's yeah. the one who paid for it. He's the one who signs the checks. But you're not going to win that way. Right. You're not going to win with your owner meddling and you know deciding, all right, uh, Julio Jones is our most marketable player, so he can't go anywhere. We're going to give him uh, a new contract. We're going to give him all these millions. And even if the new regime doesn't want uh, Julio Jones who, when he's a bit older, you know, Arthur Blank does a great job with the business side of things. So just you, you want your owner to stay on the business side and you want to leave the football, football stuff uh, in the hands of the football experts whom you're going to hire this mm-hmm. coming off season. Yeah, that's the whole point of being an owner. Like, it's good if you do have football knowledge. Like, that's always helpful. But you're hiring people to make the decisions for you. Like, you shouldn't be in here making decisions day to day. Now, I think it's fair to weigh in on extremely major things. Like, should the team, you know, hire X or Y head coach? Like, ultimately, it's up to the owner and his team president and his business people to make those decisions. So having strong football knowledge is helpful there. But you also have to know when to take a step back and let the people you trusted to hire and make the leaders of your organization let them make the decisions and, and don't, you know, otherwise you got a Jerry Jones situation. So. And I think that Arthur, that, uh, Arthur Blank did do a, a little bit of meddling. Remember the reports of, uh, of the offensive linemen yes. when we took them last year? It was, I, I think some, people, some were saying that it was Arthur Blank's call uh, that, you know, we needed more offensive line help, which, I mean, it, it's fair, but you need to let, let the experts whom you hired, whom you're paying, do their job build the team the way that the the way they envision it and of course they need to have accountability reporting to you in that uh you're the one who signs their paychecks it's it's a results-oriented business if they don't get the results then they're liable to be replaced but you still need to give them that chance no head coach no general manager wants to wants wants to be micromanaged by the team owner Especially when, let's be honest, these GMs, these head coaches, they've been around the game their entire lives. Arthur Blank doesn't come from a football background. He comes from a business background. And, you know, I'm not going to question his business acumen. Uh, I'm not going to question how good he is on that side of things. But he doesn't have the expertise that, uh, let's say, uh, an Eric Biennemi has or a Lewis Riddick has when it comes to purely the game of football, if those are the guys we hire and no matter who we hire they're going to be more of an expert at the game than Arthur Blank is yeah no I agree and and that's that's key and also like no you know quality candidates want to come in and be micromanaged by an owner you know that's why the Packers are, or that's why excuse me the uh, the Cowboys are stuck with Mike McCarthy as their head coach <laughs> you can't you can't convince me that any you know quality coaching candidate would actually want to go be micromanaged by jerry jones but, yeah, but money only goes so so long yeah. like uh, these great uh head coaching candidates they're gonna get money from like anywhere oh yeah yeah like i mean it's the nfl like ev- like other than maybe like the raiders giving gruden that ridiculous contract like <laughs> everyone's getting a lot of money like it's not like you're getting lowballed by teams uh in the nfl and the falcons certainly won't be low and lowballing anyone so um you know, I, I, I am interested to see what happens with the coaching search, obviously, you know, uh, how Raheem Morris and Jeff Ulbrich look and if, you know, the next regime maybe 
you know, if Morris doesn't get a lot of offers, maybe if the defense does markedly improve over the course of the season, maybe they stick around. You know, we'll, we'll see. But um, there's a lot of hope for this team, and, and this game shows what I, a point that I think we were making a lot over the first five games of the season, which was this team is too damn talented to look like trash. Like, they're not trash. They're more talented than the Panthers. They're more talented than a lot of the teams they're playing, and they're losing. So what's the problem here? And it's not the talent. If it's not the talent, it's the coaching, and that's where we were. Um, I don't know if Dan Quinn was, like, standing in the way of change or if people just didn't want to change anything with him at the helm or what. I mean, who knows what the exact reasons were. But, you know, I I think the defense played more aggressive today, and it was nice to see. Yeah, it was absolutely nice to see because they, like I said, I can't stand that passive defensive scheme of, all right, we're just going to keep everything in front of us. And, you know, that works when when you're winning. That works when you have a Kyle Shanahan dialing up these, you know, exquisite play calls and uh, having an all-time great offense, which is top 10 in history and uh, in points per game. That doesn't work when you don't have that and that doesn't work when you end up having to play from behind you know that that offense is that kind of defense is also just the recipe for blown leads Mm -hmm. which is what which is what our reputation is which is what we've seen the past few seasons so it's if your defense is going to suck you might as well you might as well suck by you, you know, go, throwing some throwing the kitchen sink at them. Right. Like, suck while you're trying to get turnovers, you know. Suck while you're trying to blitz and do things to try to actually impact the game and not just suck all the time. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks when you suck all the time. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. It does. That it does. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, it, like, they were out there, no, no blitzes, you know, no, nothing aggressive. It was just like, a conservative play call and let me tell you giving up 80 yards on 10 plays and a touchdown is just as bad as you know giving up that 80 yard touchdown strike like right away it could it could even be worse because your defense is on the field and it's yeah. going to get more and more fatigued yep. which is what we saw in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and it's what we saw in so many of these games where the defense is just on the field you can't get off the field on third downs but conversely, the difference between that is if you're out there blitzing, trying to force turnovers, sure, you take that risk of the big play happening. But at the same time, you have more of an opportunity to make a big play yourself. Which And this defense has made no big plays the first five weeks. You yeah. know, maybe maybe against the Bears, they had those couple interceptions, but that doesn't even count. Because it was <laughs> and against like someone Trubisky. greasing up the football in week two, right? <laughs> With all, like those three fumbles yeah, in the yeah, first quarter. Yeah, and right? in week two as well, you you had all the turnovers, but, you know, you somehow blew blew that game too. So, you, you know, it, it's nice it's nice to see that, that the defense, you know, was forcing some turnovers in this game. They had those three interceptions. Like I said, AJ Terrell looked good. Foya Luwakin got his first interception. Foya Luwakin has been yeah. responsible for four turnovers this season in five, mm-hmm. in, what six games, which yeah. is you know He's a ridiculous so amount. So good, yeah. Uh, late round hit, man. A big, you know, and like that's the thing with Dimitrov. Like he would deliver these guys sometimes, particularly that combo of him and Quinn. They deliver these guys, but it was the failure to get the players where you needed to, like. They were unable to add impact pass rushers, like on the edge, and like that's like a position that you just can't 
get by with mediocre at. And that's part of the problem we're seeing with this Falcons team. I mean, like we'll give Fowler some credit today. You know, he, he looked better today. He was instrumental in that goal line stand. Uh, you know, Grady Jarrett obviously is amazing, but there was some big, big issues with that pairing. Um, and it was time that the team moved on and they're looking better and maybe they'll look better over the rest of the season. Maybe they won't, but, uh, it's nice to be trending up for a change because trending down, we were like getting buried under the earth with how far this team was trending down. Um, so it's also nice to like have a big lead and not blow it for a change. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a, it was a nice change for this Falcons team to actually watch them play well and play to the talent level that we expected um, because I think we all kind of you know, thought the defense would probably be, you know, not great at best. Like they'd probably be average. And that's kind of what they were today. Like they were good in the first half and bad in the second half. So that, that works out to be kind of average. Um, and we thought the offense should be really good. And the offense looked really good today. Um, so we'll see what, what Morris and Ulbrich and everybody else can squeeze out of this team over the remainder of the season. Um, before we get out of here, guys, do want to remind you for the folks that are joining us for the first time, uh, if you don't mind hitting that like button, that helps other folks on YouTube find the shows. And then if you're not already subscribed, if you hit that subscribe button, that'll give you notifications every time we go live. We have a show that we do on Wednesday nights as well. That'll be at 8, 10 Eastern. That's a lot of fun. we got a lot of guests on here and co-hosts. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't say it at the top of the show, so I had to work it in somewhere. But um, yeah, yes, it's a lot of fun. So if you guys don't mind that, we appreciate it. But uh Adnan, anything else you wanna you wanna touch on here before we close it out? Um, offensive line played very well, and you know, just a shout out to them. The offensive line has been fantastic all season long in pass protection. You know, that's that's a unit who which was really under the microscope, and the fact that we haven't talked about it uh, much this season, we haven't mentioned you know any of their names. That's that's a really good thing because the O line is something where you know they're very underappreciated. You only mention them when something when something terrible happens, when something goes wrong. But and you know I'm very much looking forward to a Wednesday show to get uh, Keenan's insight mm-hmm. on on some of uh, what the offensive line has been doing. Uh, former for those that are new here, former Falcons guard Keenan Forney joins us uh, on our Wednesday shows. Mm-hmm. He's you know also one of the co-hosts at this point. Yes. Um, and you know he 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 worked with Chris Lindstrom. He worked with Caleb McGarry uh, over the off season. So I'm really looking forward to getting you know his his unique perspective as a former offensive lineman about some of what the offensive line has done differently. Some of some of the good stuff that he's seen uh, from this unit, and especially from Lindstrom and McGarry, if they're if they're doing some of the stuff that he went over with them, and what mm-hmm. specifically that was. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, like, we touched on it earlier, like, you know, going into 2019, Arthur Blank's, you know, meddling was to get the offensive line fixed. And, like, honestly, it seems like maybe it was fixed, so that's good. Um, You know, we've got Chris Lindstrom, who's healthy and playing well. Caleb McGarry had a rough rookie season, but he has stabilized and looks good. Um, You know, the weak spot is definitely James Carpenter, who has been much better than 2019. I guess I'll just say that, but... Um, you know, he's pretty average, like, and that's not the worst thing in the world for a team that last year was just really bad on the offensive line. But, um, you know, the run blocking has been better. Um, just top to bottom, the offensive line has been better and some of that's health, but some of that is that, uh, you know, these guys are just playing better. 
uh, McGarry and James Carpenter in particular. So that is one consistently good thing that we've seen over the beginning of this season. Um, let's see. There's something else I wanted to touch on. Um, I'm losing it. I lost it. But um, AJ Terrell, we talked about his interception, but I thought AJ Terrell looked really good today. Um, obviously got beat by Thielen on that one play, but I mean, that wasn't like, he, he had his hands in there like trying to break it up and Thielen came down with it. So I don't blame Terrell at all for that play. That was just a tr- tremendous catch by Thielen. But um, obviously Terrell as our first rounder, we need him to play up to that pick. And it looks like um, he's way better than Isaiah Oliver already. So uh, <laughs> not, not that that's saying much, but he's he's our best he's our best corner um, as a first rounder, and that's he's looked that's good. good news, he's looked good yeah. this season. He's had his uh, he had like some struggles, which he's a rookie cornerback. I would expect that the first couple games, but AJ Terrell he's played up to the pick definitely this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, so that's nice always to see, and we're gonna get a good look at him over the rest of the season. I do wonder if this secondary gets a lot better once Darquise Denard comes back from IR because he was looking tremendous against the Bears until he got hurt. You know, I think he had, what, one pick, two picks in that game? I mean, it was really impressive. Um, And, you know, he's that veteran that we kind of desperately needed to solidify the group, and then now he's been on IR for like four games. So we'll see if things kind of continue to trend up when he gets back. I guess he might be eligible to come off IR after this next game. So... Uh, we will see what happens there. That could be another boost to the secondary. But um, Adnan is at Say Which Way on Twitter. Adnan, anything else you want to plug or say before we uh, close up tonight? Um, Just let's go Braves. Tonight is Game 7 of the NLCS. You know, just working it into the Falcons stuff. You saw Julio Jones make mm-hmm. the catch, and, he, you yeah. know, he mixed it up a little bit yeah. uh, in his celebration. Yeah. So the Braves have been doing all season. Hashtag mix it up. Um let's not blow a 3-1 series lead. Let's not blow it. Well, maybe we can get some good Atlanta sports vibes going today uh, with the Falcons actually winning. So uh, that, yeah. that's my hope. Yeah. Good God, vibes. Uh, I hope so because, you know, you win this one and you're in the World Series, you lose it, and, you know, you're, you're a laughing stock along with the Falcons. So, yeah. you know, ho- not, hopefully. Yeah. Well, the Falcons weren't on brand at all today, so maybe the, the Braves will yeah. also be off brand and actually close it out. So. I'm, yep. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yep, I'm. I'm very nervous. You know that. That's the one where I woke up thinking, all right. That, you know that. That's the one I was stressing about. Normally on Sundays, I stress about the Falcons, but you know, I was stressing about the Braves today. <laughs> it's hard to stress about the Falcons right now. You know, there's just not a lot on the line. <laughs> like oh, five. I'm telling you, it was so nice the last. The silver lining in the last couple of years is you you do go into the second half and some of those games without any stress. Yep. yep. And I I was getting stressed toward the end when we were winning too much and when we were, you know, blowing the draft pick. Oh, yeah. Yep. So we will will see what happens over the rest of the season. But, folks, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Make sure you check out the site, thefalcoholic.com. To get all your written content needs and there will also be a post-game podcast going up uh, i believe shortly that is done by uh, dw who was on our emergency show on uh, monday of last week and i believe evan's on there as well so that's a lot of fun if you're just craving even more post-game content and then we will be obviously doing our show on wednesday as well at 8 10 p.m eastern like i said guys we appreciate all of you for tuning in enjoying the first falcons win of the season um if you guys don't mind like i said the likes the subscribes those are both things that help us out so if you don't mind hit that up but uh until wednesday guys enjoy the rest of your football sunday enjoy monday 
Uh, I actually enjoyed that Tuesday night football game last week as well, but I I don't think we have one of those this week. So (laughs) other than that, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, We will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Kevin. He's Adnan, and uh, we, we will talk to you guys later. Have a good one. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.